welcome to the PowerShell News Podcast. I'm your host, Hacha Dalawad. And I'm the co-host, Mick Pletcher. All right, so this is exciting. We got a team of amazing people here, the PMs for PowerShell. PowerShell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go around and introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, I'm Danny Martins. I'm the PM for Azure Cloud Shell and OpenSSH. And I'm Jason Helmick, and I'm not too sure what I'm in charge of anymore. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's Crescendo and a little bit with predictors with my friend over here, Stephen. The mic guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stephen Booker. I'm probably the newest member of the team here. I'm uh, helping a lot with tooling and predictors and uh, stuck with Jason a little bit. So. <laughs> Cool. And I'm Sydney. I'm also a PM on the PowerShell team. Um, I own a bunch of our tooling space, things like our editor services and VS Code extension, PowerShell and Get, and the gallery, secret management, and a few other projects. Oh my goodness, so many. And she's the real Sydney. Yeah, she's the real the Sydney. Real Sydney Smith real. The Sydney Smith real. <laughs> and she's the responsible one. So. <laughs> All right. So let's start with uh, Cloud Shell. Ooh, I mean, not, not Cloud Shell, uh, State of. Uh, no, that's There's Cloud Shell. He does Cloud okay. Shell. Yeah. yeah. So hit it. Talk to us about it. Cloud Shell, great. Uh, you get your, you get, yeah, I know, you're, you're putting me on the spot. Here. It's like, you want an elevator? Yeah, you know, Cloud Shell, talk about it. Yeah. This is going to be a fun place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cloud Shell, for those of you who don't know, uh, it is a browser based shell experience. We have both a PowerShell experience as well as a batch experience in the Azure portal. Uh, that's actually running uh, a PowerShell in Linux, which is kind of a little fun fact that a lot of folks don't know. Um, and kind of the, the what we do with Cloud Shell is we make sure that we keep that environment up to date with kind of the latest technologies. And so that's, we'll always have the latest, uh, I'd say stable release of PowerShell. Uh, we'll always have the latest version of Azure CLI, Azure PowerShell modules, as well as uh, various other tools for cloud administration. But kind of the cool thing is it's accessible just from a browser. so. You don't need to have your client machine. You just need access to a web browser and your login for Azure, and you've got your management environment kind of on the go. That's pretty cool. And I just wanted to, uh, to ask one question. Uh, we're assuming, and this is for more of the PowerShell beginners, that this is PowerShell 7.x. Yeah, it's, it's 7.x, correct. So we, we always stay on that, that latest release. <clears throat> Fantastic. As everyone should. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you get all that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> So yesterday was interesting. I watched you guys do your demos, and you guys were using Windows Terminal. And I know you, when you were on our podcast before, you talked about Windows yeah. Terminal and the awesomeness and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Windows Terminal is, so I mean, if, if, if you're newer to PowerShell, or even if you're an old hand at PowerShell, you know that the, the old, and what do we call it then? Command, prompt, console? ISC? No, not the ISC, not okay. the editor, but the, you know, Just like the, console host. Yeah, the console host that we, you know, that everybody used to run PowerShell in. That was an okay experience. I mean, it was a good experience, but it was just an okay experience. In terminal, now you get a true terminal experience. And if you've taken a look at terminal, not only does it let you run PowerShell, you get all kinds of stuff in there. Um, you get Cloud Shell in there. You get PowerShell in there. You can have your SQL stuff. It's amazing what you can do with. Microsoft Terminal on Windows. Those of you like myself that work on a Mac and you use like iTerm2 or something like that, that is the experience you now get on Windows, mm -hmm. which is a glorious experience. And I got to say, the Windows folks have pushed the Microsoft Terminal 
further than the Linux folks have in a lot of areas. It's really an amazing product. So if you're working with PowerShell and you haven't tried the new terminal, you're really missing out. It really will help you a lot. You'll be a lot more comfortable with it. Multiple tabs, so you don't have to open <clears throat> multiple shells. You can yeah. just have a couple of tabs. It's really cool. Go for it. Yeah, I was going to mention the, the multiple tabs feature. I think yeah. it, it's kind of subtle, and but it actually is really effective. I think so many of us work in uh, environments where we use Windows PowerShell and PowerShell 7. I mean, I'd love to be in a world where we're all in um, PowerShell 7, but even myself um, need to pull up Windows PowerShell more than time to time. Right. And so to be able to like, have both of those experiences really like side by side, um, whether you're you're testing things or building things, it's a, it's a really clean experience to have them both. Yeah, and I saw you, you know, switching the tabs and stuff, right? And running your code mm -hmm. with one path and stuff like that, which is really awesome. So internally as a, Myself as a Microsoft guy, and currently as an engineer, but I'm switching roles next week. Uh, uh, you know, when I work with customers and stuff like that, right? And I'm doing workshops, right? Three-day workshops and onboarding workshops and stuff like that. And that's one of the things I show them. Yeah. I said, have yeah. you guys heard about, you know, because some of the workshops will have you open up, you know, ISC and, you know, things like that. I'm like, and hey, let look. me open up a terminal for you. Let me show you what it is. And they're like, oh, that is pretty cool. Yeah. And, 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 and hey, look, use terminal, but I, you know something else that you, you said a couple of times, I just want to throw out there. And I know that there's a lot of people on Windows PowerShell 5.1, and you use the ISC, and that's great. Mm -hmm. It's a great, great little uh, product. And we, you know, and I, I love it too. Everybody loves the ISC. <laughs> um, the problem or the challenge with the ISC is nobody's developing on that anymore. Mm -hmm. So what you're not getting is once you leave Windows PowerShell 5.1 and you come up a couple of versions to where we're at now, right? you're not getting all of the experience that you should be getting. And so we have another free product and that you can use for this. And here's the cool part. I'm going to throw this over to Sydney because this is what amazes <laughs> me that she, she got pulled off. Not only can you use this free product, it's VS Code, okay? It's, 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 yeah. But... You can make it look just like the ISC, right? Very true. We do have ISC mode in uh, VS Code, and it's going to give you a really similar both yes. like visual yeah. experience and also some yeah. of the same keyboard shortcuts and, and things you're used to there. And I think that, like Jason was saying, I think one of the things that's really great about um, for new users, if people are learning PowerShell for the first time, even if you're sort of only expecting right now to be on Windows PowerShell, <laughs> great. Windows PowerShell works great with VS Code. Um, and then when you're ready to move into PowerShell 7, you won't have to learn a whole new tool set. But if you are already familiar with ISC, I think ISC mode is a really great way to sort of make that transition. Yeah. VS Code is cool, but I think there's a learning curve. It's not... And you know it, what? You're right. There is a learning it's curve. It's a bit scary for people but, that haven't used it before and you're like shifting over. It's like, okay, where am I supposed to set my, you but, know... But let me offer it to you this way. Instead of looking... You're right. It is a learning curve, but instead kind of change your view a little bit. It's kind of like when you get one of these newfangled cars now and you drive <laughs> it off the lot. You know how to do the basic operations and it works. Now, you don't know how to... You haven't fiddled with the radio. You don't know how to set up whatever Bluetooth stuff they got and all that. <laughs> and there's a learning curve there, but those are features that you can use when you're ready to do them. Mm -hmm. That's what VS Code gives you. Right. Instead of limiting you like the ISC, VS Code gives you the nice ISC view that's nice and straightforward. You can drive it off the lot. Right. Then when you're ready, let's say you start working with GitHub repos and you want to have the GitHub extension yeah. and you want a markdown extension or whatever it is, then you add those features. So yeah. 
the learning curve only happens when you're ready for that learning curve. And there was one quick thing I wanted to throw out to you guys is that Danny's going to have to leave us soon. And part of these conversations that we do a lot with is, um, especially for beginning people, is PowerShell remoting, things like that, is super powerful in getting work done. One of the things that Danny's responsible for, besides CloudShell, mm -hmm. is SSH and open SSH. And, and Danny, uh, here, I'm going to do what he did to you. Talk about open SSH. <laughs> <laughs> so many elevator pitches today. Um, yeah, so open SSH, uh, there's already the existing open SSH project, which I'd say historically has been mainly Unix-focused, uh, and that's the open SSH projects from the OpenBSD Foundation. Um, we've also created a fork of that project a few years ago called Win32 OpenSSH. And so the, the, the focus there is can we take, let's say, a Windows-supported uh, version of OpenSSH and upstream it back into the overall S uh, OpenSSH project. So sometime down the line, those releases will both be compatible with Unix systems as well as Windows systems. Uh, because of that, we also ship our SKU of OpenSSH inbox in Windows. And so if you go to any uh, any version of Windows that I'd say for client is newer than and then Windows 7, uh, and then I say the analogous with Windows mm -hmm. Server, uh, which I think is tw uh, 2012, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe it's 20, uh, or 2008 or two, I think, one of the two. Um, you'll have OpenSSH inbox. And so on all the on all modern Windows client machines, you'll have OpenSSH client there. And on uh, server machines and client machines, you can install OpenSSH server. And so it's all there inbox uh, as a feature on demand, uh, and you can enable that into SSH remotely. And so what we like to say is SSH is really the, the current and the future of remoting, both from shell from from PowerShell and kind of all up, uh, we look at WinRM as a historical uh, the historical tool for for remoting. And, and, that, uh, and honestly, the, the way we look at it is very similar to how we look at Windows PowerShell, right. where it's always going to have a place, um, but it's just not where we're investing, and we're investing in something that's more cross-platform, more applicable for a larger set of users, and uh, that's where we're going to put all of our efforts going forward. And so, yes, we still offer PowerShell remoting over WinRM. But all of our efforts are on PowerShell remoting over SSH. That's cool. That's yeah. very. So uh, when it comes to remoting, what are your all's uh, take on security with PowerShell? Because that's often uh, something that so many users and so many companies are so concerned yeah. about. Yeah. So uh, and this is actually something we've been talking about quite a lot recently is how can you audit things that are done over remote sessions, right? And so the great thing about SSH or PowerShell remoting is all those commands are auditable, right? I can go and turn on uh, transcription. I can go and query those logs after any actions are done. And so something that we've been saying say quite frequently is you should be using either PowerShell remoting or SSH for all of your remoting scenarios. I'd say generally from the security point of view, uh, if you RDP into that box or someone RDPs into a box, that machine is in an unknown state afterwards. Someone could perform any action on that machine with a command line or a GUI, and you not, might not necessarily be able to audit that. And so I, I like to say, use SSH remoting or PowerShell remoting as your first option. If you need a GUI, look at Windows Admin Center. It's a great tool that's bringing in a lot of those GUIs into, let's say, a more localized, let's mm -hmm. uh, say, single pane <clears throat> view. Um, but the great thing about Windows Admin Center is all of that is backed and executed probably about 90, 95 plus percent 
It's just done in PowerShell. Yes. And so all of that is still auditable, mm-hmm. even if you do it with the GUI, with PowerShell commands, right? You can go and pull what was done. Um, but if someone does, I say, a, a, a quote-unquote pure RDP session, then you, you don't know what's happened. And so what I, what I like to say is use uh, PowerShell remoting or SSH. If that doesn't work, use Windows Admin Center. And then if that still isn't working for you and you have some edge case scenario, then view RDP is kind of that break glass scenario where I need to get into my machine and do exactly what I want and the way I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what RDP is. It's just really being more of that break glass scenario. And that's exactly the kind of, that's exactly the methodology we're going to where I work and limiting PowerShell down to only certain users that can actually execute it. Sure. And one of the things to keep in mind is don't let, don't let, if, you, if you're reading an article or something and, and, and you kind of walk away and you're kind of like, well, I have some security concerns about PowerShell remote. Don't let that, don't let that stop you from moving forward. In other words, get the concern answered. Here's the thing, PowerShell remoting, it is secure. Everything is encrypted across that tunnel. So it, it's, it, and the fact that you can audit everything that's occurring there, you have the mechanisms to assure the security. So what drives me crazy is when people go, I'm not turning on remoting because there's a security concern. Right. What, 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 what does that mean? And, and quite honestly, if that's the way you're gonna behave, what technology can you turn on? So what I'm saying is, is just make sure you have the right information. And, and, and that way you should feel comfortable turning on remote. And if you saw our demonstration yesterday, one of the most powerful things about SSH with PowerShell remoting over using WinRM is that we had Linux and Windows boxes deploying and working together yeah. because mm-hmm. they can, they have a common protocol now. <clears throat> That's kind of why we, we were not focused on WinRM. It's great if you're Windows. And if you are an all Windows shop, more power to you. But if you're a mixed environment, SSH is the way to go. And I, I'm gonna jump right in uh, because I, I kind of want to plug something that we released last week uh, that we call uh, SSH access for Arc enabled servers. And so what this is, and if, those, if folks aren't familiar with, with Arc at all, um, Arc is really, I say the crux of it is bringing the Azure management plane onto your non-Azure resources. And so that could either be your, I'd say your, your local machines that you have uh, in your corporate network, that could be the desktop that you have on your box, uh, just sitting under your desk, or that could be uh, uh, machines that you have running in AWS, GCP, or another competitor, right? Uh, so with SSH access for Arc-enabled servers, we can provide SSH-based access to those machines without ever having a public IP address and without uh, having any inbound ports. And so if you're worried about these security, uh, security and o- opening up uh, a public IP address or incoming ports, we can, ha- we can have an SSH-based communication purely based on outbounding connect- connections. And so if you want to look at something that's more secure, uh, in that case, look at Arc-enabled servers, look at SSH remoting for, uh, uh, look at SSH access for Arc-enabled servers. Both Arc and uh, what I call SSH Arc are free. And so check them out. They're really easy to set up. I can set up a new machine in probably less than five minutes. And so it's, it's worth looking into. Great. He knows his stuff. Oh yeah, he does. They yeah. all do. They all do. <laughs> but he's so that, that's why I sit on the floor. <laughs> 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 nice. Oh my god. So what else? Oh, so we were talking about VS Code. So one of the things that I um, 
you know, when I dabbled in it a little bit, so a friend of mine was in Alaska, and we were working on a script together, and he says, oh, fire up VS Code. I said, okay, and then there's a, what's, what do you call that? Uh, you can uh, work on it together in real life, real time. I don't think I've there's used a, There's that. an add-on. Yeah, there's an extension um, to, to work on that. I, the name, for some reason, is I, I, I can't recall it. And it was before. amazing. It like really well. As he's, he's typing, yeah. and I see it. And then, you know, I can click enter, and I can go into the next line, and he sees my stuff. I can't remember what it is. It's like it's part of VS Code. Well, fortunately, <laughs> and I, I, I can't tell you off the top of my head what the feature is. Maybe somebody else can. But uh, right? fortunately, yeah. you have great documentation for that. Oh, do you know what that feature is? N no, but I, 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 I didn't know they had a collaborative kind of coding. Yeah, yeah. Coding. it is. I think they have some versions. And this was in the extension. It's in, the, it's in an extension oh, in VS Code. Not in the web version of the... No, not okay. okay. Yeah, there's a, okay. it's a, oh gosh, I, I, I can't yeah, you should look it up. something <laughs> live. Something live. Yeah, yeah. I just want you all to know, on, on, a, on a podcast, you can't really see this, but one of the PMs, Stephen here, is <laughs> doing the PM <laughs> thing, of digging into right it to get here. the right answer. <laughs> yeah. um, that was phenomenal. Like, I was, I was blown away. I'm like, dude, you're in Alaska, I'm in Vermont. And we're working on the same script together. Well, Microsoft Live Share? Live Share. We were so Live close. Share. Live Share. One word away. There we go. There you go. <laughs> and I think that's a great point to, to the if you got VS Code, you you go into the, the extensions and look at all the extensions that are available. Now a lot of stuff may not have any value to you, but you'd be surprised what's out there. There's remote debugging, there's all kinds of ways to use VS Code that the ISE will simply never be able to do. Yeah, and one of the nice things about this is this really opens up a lot more um, possibilities in the PowerShell community. Because yeah. now if we need help, we can reach out to other yeah. resources and say, hey, can you help me outside of yeah. your own company? Absolutely, and it feels like a little bit of the sacred bow in action too, right? Like. You're going to learn your PowerShell skills. Yeah. You're going to you have PowerShell skills, maybe in IC, and now you're going to go to VS Code. You're going to use ISC mode, which is going to pare down the interface for you, so you're not exposed to some of those features that right. might mm -hmm. not be as familiar first. You get familiar there, and then you can start adding in, adding in features, and all of a sudden, you know, you have a whole new skill set um, based right. on all the the extensibility of VS Code. Yeah. yeah. So we were talking yesterday about some of the stuff that shows that the predictive um, stuff. That is freaking cool. Go right. for it, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> is, that, is that yours? Is, is that no, no. I, 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 I definitely don't take all the credit for it. I think, I think Jason is really the backbone of that. But uh, I've been helping support where I can with it. Because I think I think predictors is it, it's, um. it's very interesting. There's, there's this whole new wave of kind of uh, an editor experience that coming along mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, you, we talk about this live share thing. Mm -hmm. This is a whole new way of collaborating code. And, and predictors is kind of a, a, a having that assistant always there for you. And um, it helps guide your code, it helps increase efficiency, and it helps, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, get you where you need to go, you know, quicker yeah. and more effectively. Yeah. And so PowerShell, I think, is, is one of the greatest um, languages that this kind of predictive uh, concept can apply to because of the, the nature of the command line parameter, parameter set, um, kind of scripting capabilities makes it a very, very, um, I guess perfect candidate for some of these single line predictors for you know within <clears throat> PS read line, um, it, it's 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 wonderful. I, I love it. I use it every day. Oh yeah. yeah. So really, what, what we had started with was um, and Steve Lee, the lead engineer for the PowerShell team, um, 
you know, we, we, we're always trying to pay attention to what's going on with other shells and how we can improve PowerShell. And one of the things we noticed was, and other folks have seen this, that things like Z-Shell and stuff like that were doing these nice suggestions. Um, well, we wanted to do the same thing. So Dongbo Wang, which is the lead engineer on PS Readline, um, and we sat down and we spec'd out doing what we refer to as history-based suggestions. History-based. Um, and, and, and here's the thing. History-based suggestions is all based upon your PowerShell history. Yeah. So if you've successfully done something before, this predictor, as you start typing, will snap it up for you again so that you don't have to remember all the, and I got to tell you, I spend all day working get commands. <laughs> I don't want to remember get, reset, tilde, hunt. Yeah, exactly. So what I do yeah. is, is the best thing about predictors, the historical based predictors is if you did it once, it's at your fingertips. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And that feature a PS Readline version 2.2. I got that right, right? Yep. Okay. Got that, right. <laughs> uh, that feature works all the way down to Windows PowerShell 5.1. We wanted to make sure that they could get history-based features in there. However, the predictors that Steven's yes. now working... So here's what our goal was. A history-based predictor, if you think about it, if you've done it once and you, 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 you now can just snap it up, this is to accelerate you. So an experienced, yeah. but we say an experienced person, somebody who's done it correctly, is accelerated in all their future work. What Steven's working on is a different tack. And you see this with the uh, AZ Tools predictor that just GA, okay. which is what if you are brand new to these commandlets and you know nothing about them? Maybe you don't even understand the technology. Maybe you're like, I know what a VM is. I don't know how to make one in Azure. Right. So what you do, if you have the Azure predictor on, you start typing maybe something like new AZV, and it comes up and it predicts the entire line you need, tells you you need a resource group, all of that stuff. And you're like, I don't even know what this is. And it's like, but this, so the idea here is we, we were hoping that there are some predictors that will help you learn and that, 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 that sacred vow. And we know how hard it is to learn new things. This is to kind of help glide that path a little bit better. Yeah. There was some sort of uh, a similar thing in ISC, wasn't it? Like you could type on the right hand side, you had the. Uh, yeah, but that was just was, a, that was just a command list. Command list. Yeah. And that was great. Yeah. But yeah. This is way beyond that. As a matter of fact, Stephen, like the, some of the stuff that. that, that the, like easy tools, that's all AI based. It's all AI based. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, mm -hmm. the AZ tools predictor, you know, is um, it, it's all AI based. And I mean, just how many different commandlets would you would you estimate there are? Just different kinds of and just in the AZ tools, you know. One well, you know, was it AZ tools and graph? I mean, graph has graph alone. Know, yeah, I can't even. It's, well, I was it's I was actually I was talking with Amazon, uh, their um, person upstairs last night, and he was telling me uh, their module has more than now ten thousand. Well, yeah. so exactly. Yeah. So like, how am I ever every single bishop every single day? Every single yes. day. They, yeah. they have a three hundred about three hundred modules or so that you'll find updated versions to. So like, yeah. the smartest person in the world can't keep up with that, right? Like. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you'd be able to memorize any of this stuff, and so that's the whole idea with this predictor. And the the, the main, um, you know, uh, Jason talks about the history predictor is about accelerating. Well, these other kind of predictors are about enhancing and helping you learn and stuff because it's mm. it's there's too much stuff, there's too many commandlets that you need to learn, and so um, bringing it closer to you, closer to where you're actually using them, rather than going to the documentation and googling it. We want it right there in front of you so that you can work more efficiently 
um, and uh, you know, enhance and accelerate your work that way. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and, and really, this kind of folds into, and I love it when Steven's talking about some mm -hmm. of the new stuff where he's going with predictors and things like that, is, is if, you, if, you, if you take a look at our state of the show, we kind of started it off in a kind of a joking fashion. We were talking about, you know, the pandemic's been really hard on everybody. Yes. Mm -hmm. Set that aside for a second. I know it's difficult, but for a second, set that aside. And one of the first things we started talking about was because of the pandemic, technology hasn't slowed down. In fact, yeah. it accelerated <clears throat> because of dealing with the pandemic. So what this means is, is that you've got more newer stuff you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And I, re I refer to it as, you know, it seems like there's too many APIs. There's too many <laughs> commandlets, too many interfaces. You're stepping on a rake. Well, that's what, you know, we were, and what we were trying to do is show some of the technologies that we've been building to help you with this. Yep. Yeah. Dictors is definitely one of them to help with the yeah. too many commandments yep. and the too much new stuff and all of that. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing I really liked what I saw that you demonstrated yesterday was how, um, I believe it was the, you hit F2 and F1. then it, or F1. It, was it F2, though, that you, and it, and it gives you a list of underneath it of the next five? Yeah, that's, that's F2. Yeah, that so was impressive. F2. Yeah, and then that's that's a really cool feature that I, I really enjoy myself. Because it, it's not just, you know, there, there's one suggestion that can be given to you, but, I mean, there's so many command lists, you've so many different kind of sets of parameters, you want to see yeah. what other options are available. Because it may not exactly meet your needs on the first, first one. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, showing more options that way gives you the extensibility of, um, you know, the options of what you want to do, explore other things too, and, and discover different parameter sets that might come with a particular command. Yeah. Well, and then also the other thing that you all demonstrated was also like, for instance, let's say like your demonstration, let's say you, you're going to um, create a new Azure uh, VM and how you would do the first commandlet and then it knew what to tell you to do the next commandlet so that you could create that what you did all of them in sequence what needed to be done. Yeah, and we're getting there. We're getting, we're getting smarter, and, yeah. and we're getting there. We, we're, we're closer it's, and closer every time we work on it. Um, it's it's definitely mm -hmm. take this journey with us. And I just want to mm -hmm. uh, point out, and, and Stephen's really the guy for this, but um, one of the things that we did just recently is we also created a PowerShell specific completer predictor. Uh, Dongbo Wang put this together for us along with helped us, and this is the important part, folks. If you want to make your own predictor and you want to learn more about our predictors, Dongbo also put together a great documentation that we now have mounted up on Microsoft Docs on, it's literally called How to Create Your Own Predictor. Really? And, wow. Yeah. Wow. And Dongbo created uh, a Hello World example and then created this PowerShell predictor so you could move up your, your experience because we just open source the PowerShell predictor so you can look at all the code. You can see how it was written and who it was done with. And what we really hope that you would do is not just stop by and give us some advice, but maybe even contribute some code to help us to improve it. So it's it's a fun time to be working in this space right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very exciting, especially because uh, you know, we talked about you know how many tool, how many commandlets easy has AWS graph. Now there's uh, an ability to create predictors for all of these different things and, and help meet the needs where you need it. Um, okay. So it's very, very exciting. Yeah. So the documentation is live, and uh, we highly encourage so you much, to check it out. So much improvement. So well, the other thing that uh, you mentioned there that I thought is going to be getting to that point of contributing uh, users contributing here is uh, the crescendo. 
and being able to... Yes. I was just getting ready to throw over to package management, so... How are we going to talk about that? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's not what you said, though. You know what, Cindy? I think it was my very first day at work, Joey said, never build a package manager. Anyway, so Crescendo is something I love Crescendo. Our engineer, Tim Truer, and some people remember Tim Truer, he started with Jeffrey Snover and Bruce Payette to create PowerShell. So he's been on the team since the very beginning. And one of the challenges is this. Folks, the world is not going to write commandlets. As much as we want them to, it takes way too much time. So what at any company, not just Microsoft, but any development company, they are going to take the features that they want people to be able to utilize in a command, and they're going to do it the quickest, most efficient way, which is shove it into a command line tool. Yes. I refer to those as native commands, but a command line tool. And then you end up with command line tools like NetSH that are really hard to use. You have to live with them to, to really understand. They can even be their own sub-languages. I mean, it's amazing. They're little mini shells. It's amazing what these things are. Mm -hmm. But to a PowerShell user, we're really comfortable with commandments, parameters, arguments. We know how to get help. We know how to discover all this stuff. So what we did is we wanted to help solve this problem. We know that this problem is going to get worse. More and more native commands. How do we help people automate those? Well, they can turn them into PowerShell commandments. Now, developers have always been able to do this. They can wrap the API directly. They can do all this. And if you know how to do this, that's the way to go about it. But most people don't. So, I didn't. I didn't know that until yeah. I saw you guys do that. You know, and, and you said you can create your own command. I'm like, what? Yeah. See, <laughs> here's the best part. What we've done with Crescendo is you take a simple text file that has properties and values, and you tell us where the native command is, what you want the new commandlet name to be, and then you tell us what old parameters that native command had and what you want the new ones to be called, and then you run a command called export Crescendo module. And here's what you get. You get a 100% PowerShell module, you get a PSD1 manifest, you get the PSM1, Ooh. and that module, just like every other module you have, can now be deployed to your machines, and you can now use it in your automation. You get objects, you can work with the objects the same way, it's a real commandlet. It is a great solution for that particular problem. So we're really hoping that people get a chance to try out Crescendo. Yeah. And work with Crescendo. We have a lot of documentation on Crescendo and look forward to some upcoming stuff to uh, help everybody in the community with it. So Mick, you can take your this long one-liner and... <laughs> That's yeah. true. His yeah. one-liner is like... <laughs> hey, I had, to, I had to figure out a way to... Because uh, I, I use MDT and I didn't want to have to have MDT go out to a file share all the time and uh, run the PowerShell scripts. So I finally figured out how to squeeze entire scripts into a one-liner. I know what you need to ask them. Disk cleanup. The disk cleanup. Oh, oh. Yeah. yes. So cleandisk.exe is one thing that um, that I was, you know. And as a matter of fact, what's funny is, is that he ran up to me yesterday after the crescendo thing <laughs> and said, what about I'm dying because of clean disk? Will this help me? And the answer is yes. Go for it. Turn it into a commandlet. Have a party. Try well, it Well, the problem with clean disk is it requires an actual tap of the keyboard. You, I don't know. Try it and then talk to we'll someone. We'll do. Come on. Come on. Okay. 
Come to our GitHub re- repo, file an issue. Let's see. We'll investigate it. We'll take a we'll look. We'll do. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Now ask about package management. Okay. Crescendo <laughs> <laughs> module, you're ready to publish it, I'm sure. Right. right yeah. <laughs> All right. Package management, Sydney. All righty. Well, where, where to begin? So I guess a quick high level, and then we can kind of dig into what's going on right now. So um, many of you are probably familiar with PowerShell Get. That's the module that allows you to find and install and update and publish your modules and scripts. It shipped for the first time in PowerShell 3, and it's kind of continued along um, with our PowerShell releases. It, by default, it registers with our PowerShell gallery. PowerShell gallery is a website. It um, allows It's a central repository, for and it's public for um, PowerShell resources, primarily modules and scripts, but also DSC resources and a few other things. Um, and so that's kind of when we, when we talk about PowerShell Get, when we talk about PowerShell Gallery, that's what we're talking about. Okay. Um, and there's been some a lot of investment in PowerShell Get recently. Um, so if you um, are a Windows PowerShell user, um, you're familiar with PowerShell Get version 1.0.0.1. And this version of the module, while super, super useful, has some challenges to it that can make it really difficult to update and also to use. Um, and so a couple years back, we started this big project to sort of completely rewrite PowerShell Get. Um, we're calling it PowerShell Get 3.0. PowerShell Get 2.2.5 is the version that ships in PowerShell 7 today. So this is a major version update. Um, it removes the <clears throat> dependency on package management. We've been talking about package managers and <laughs> the challenges there. To, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that's a lot more challenging than it seems like on the surface. So. Um, PowerShell Get 3 is going to remove the dependency on package management. It fixes a whole bunch of bugs, um, and we are currently in preview releases for that. Preview, okay. Yeah, one of the things I just want to point out, and, and Sydney's being uh, really nice about this, is, uh, you know, I came from the community before I went to Microsoft, and I used to ask the question, you know, why is it taking so long? You know, why does a feature X, I know what they're going to do to it, why is it taking so long? Right. I now understand why it's taking so long, because if the problem was easy, anybody would have coded it out by now. Mm. And if the problem is complex, and, 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 and think about it, the PowerShell team is looking at complex problems for PowerShell innovating forward. Mm. That means having to figure out what the future holds, right? Right. So the complication level here is extreme, and we need a good Reliable package manager. That's a difficult process. So we're up to what? How many? Preview thirteen. Is Preview that what you're asking? Yeah. <laughs> I know you just said it. Was it twelve? Yeah. Was it thirteen? Preview thirteen is coming out very soon. Um, we're getting really close to the feature complete um, kind of benchmark, which will be an important one, and we can kind of start working our way to the RC train. But yeah, I think like one thing to sort of highlight, I think that really becomes evident with package or with PowerShell Get, but so many projects is that. What we're really trying to do here is obscure the complexity, right? And so like, we mm-hmm. want it to be a clean, simple command line interface. You know, we're doing our job well if, you, um, if you're using it and you're like, this is so simple and obvious and I don't know why it took them three years to build. <laughs> then I think that that's like a sign that we've done a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we rush out the door and ship something that you're like, this is so complicated and I don't know how people right. do package managers. It's, we did not do our job. Right. So. Right. And here's one of the things is I, somebody the other day, I think it was last week or something, asked Sydney, he said, uh, when's this going to ship? And Sydney just looked at him and said, when it meets our quality bar. Exactly. Right? Well, exactly. 
after that session or whatever was over with, I, I, I came up to Sydney. I'm like, Sydney, what's the real deal? When are we going to shift? And she, I swear to God, she just snapped around, looked at me, and said, "When we meet the quality bar." <laughs> Which one of that like, did you understand? <laughs> I, I, you know, it is a thing. I think in PM world, and I'm sure like a lot of us all work in environments where we have deadlines and yeah. pressure, and we want to get things done. And it is a thing where it's like I want to say we will ship on June first or, or whatever the date is, right? And yeah. it's just. The date doesn't exist, <laughs> so <laughs> definitely not keeping anything from anyone, but um, wish we had more dates yeah. sometimes. <laughs> so another cool thing that you uh, showcased yesterday was the error. Ah, uh, yes, the oh, error views. What an improvement. I mean, the old style was like, what? What is that? He's telling you what is that? You know? Kind of a thing. So you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in Windows PowerShell, um, we had a normal view, normal error view. It was the default error view. Um, it's a setting in PowerShell. You can do dollar sign error view if you want to see what your, your error view is right now. But I think we've all had the experience of opening a, a PowerShell, you know, shell or session typing something in and just block of red right yes. in your face and you're like, yes. wow, mm -hmm. I yes. do not know what I'm doing, clearly. And, and then I'm you freak out and you're like, <laughs> like my, is there something, am I stupid? I don't understand. <laughs> um, not kind of like the opposite of what we were talking about some of the stuff earlier with mm -hmm. predictors and all these things. It's, it doesn't give a super <laughs> friendly beginner experience right. or a super friendly advanced experience. Um, and so um, I think Steve really led the effort on this yeah. project um, back when we shipped PowerShell 7 of like, let's solve this problem. Like, let's, errors yes. have to be one of the most common things we all hit in PowerShell. Yeah. Um, it's such a common experience. So, like, let's improve it. So, we introduced Concise View. And so, it really just pairs down the message you get back on the prompt that gives it, like, usually a one liner that's much like, more to the point of what exactly the error is. Yeah. And then we also added, paired it in, of course, with the commandlet, get error, so you can get the full error information if that's what you want. Right, right. Um, but if you're if you're just looking to like, hey, I want to know that I gave the wrong path, it should be obvious right. to you when you get it mm -hmm. back. And I have to tell you, the, the old style errors, actually, it's, you may know what, what's going on like after a little bit of time, but actually it freaks you out, especially when you're in a, in a vicinity of other people. And you're like, oh, my code doesn't work. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I know it was working. Uh, and, and then you start like, you know, getting into a, like a padding mode. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. It is like. And, and I, I got to tell you, I, I feel really, really weird about this because I'm going to defend the old errors. And then I'm going to slam them. <laughs> so here's the thing. As an old timer with PowerShell, and you said it, once you learn to read it, those error messages that you get are beautiful. But if you see the demo that, that Sydney did yesterday when she runs a script that has multiple problems in it, this is what the pain point is. Your screen bleeds. Yes. It just yep. bleeds. Yes. And the thing is, your eyes, it's all in red. Your eyes can't adjust and read this stuff. You can't even no, separate one can't. error from the next. So that was the problem. Mm -hmm. The quality of the error message was there. It was hard to read, but it was there. It was just, it just inundated, inundated you. And what Steve had done would make this so visually beautiful. It's almost like it's a total visual representation of yeah. not only the error, but the, it shows you the actual line of code. Yeah. It gives you one of those little squiggly things right. where it thinks the error is. So you're looking at the screen. You see the error. You see your line of code with a line number. So when you look at your code, you know exactly where your eyes are. Yes. Yep. This 
And I know everybody's going to say the best thing about 7.0 is that it's cross-platform and it, it fully supports Windows and Linux. But my favorite feature was what Steve did with the error messages. Yeah. See? I mean, that's... That was, I loved it, too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you guys had so much yesterday. I mean, it was really fun what you guys did, you know, great chemistry and all that stuff. But you were just hitting, like, all the features and improvements and... You know, well, F1, that was another one, right? Yeah. And it would help. So, yeah, yeah if you have ah, PS Rewind, um, <laughs> if you have the new version of PS Rewind, so I encourage everybody to go to the gallery and download PS Rewind or type install-module. Uh, is it Microsoft PowerShell PS Rewind? Oh, no, you can just do install module PS Rewind. Um, or if you have the new PowerShell uh, uh, get you can do is install, install PS, PS resource. resource. Yeah, <laughs> PS I just want to throw it all out. Um, but at any rate, get PS Readline. You can get all of that experience, and it's it's a pretty pretty cool thing. So finally, last thing. So have you guys um, had some really crazy request for? Hey, we want to. Um, <laughs> a crazy request to to have. PowerShell working in various things. For example, <laughs> right? Because we were talking about this too. Now, apparently, there's a commandlet for Teslas and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah, that was what about years ago. Yeah. yeah, what about, you know, managing my refrigerator? <laughs> well, <laughs> you, it's going to come to that eventually. I'm telling you, the future is there, you know? From my perspective, <laughs> when I watched, I, 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 I apologize, I'm forgetting who I saw do this. This was years ago when, when he had first done this. But when he had PowerShell automated his Tesla, that's when I went, that wins, everything else is normal. And I imagine we get pretty crazy requests, but nothing stacks up to, to that. hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to take this brand new car that nobody's ever seen, and I'm just going to automate it with PowerShell. I think that's pretty cool, and wow. And that's pretty, I mean, we get crazy requests, but I mean, that's amazing. And here's the best part. You don't have to ask us for this. That's how flexible PowerShell is. And I think one of the mm -hmm. most important things for people to keep in mind is PowerShell is there to enable you to build a solution. It doesn't provide you the solution. That's right, not right, what right. the tool is it's for. Crazy. It's like a screwdriver. It doesn't make the wall hanging stay up. It right. just helps you get it there. Mm -hmm. And that's what PowerShell's for. So make sure you're looking at PowerShell for what it's supposed to do. And one of the things I want to point out is, and Sydney spent a lot of time talking about this with Jeffrey and, and the state of the shell, and this is very important to us, is we today carry the same tenets that Jeffrey and the original team carried, the sacred vow that if you take the time and the hard effort to learn PowerShell, we're going to do everything that we can make sure that PowerShell still can enable your solutions with all of the latest and greatest right. technology. The other thing is, is the world is a messy place, and that's not going to change. No. What PowerShell's going to do is help you deal with that mess. And, I, and Cindy, if you want to jump in here, Cindy spent a lot of time talking about the themes that we PMs think of along those lines and how we've evolved those to, to keep that, that, that snowverism, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And the importance of that. Yeah. And at the same time, evolve it for the technologies and the diversity that we need. And really, Sydney, talking about the themes that we look at, we've you can see all the work we've done in the last three years in those themes. You see our future work in those themes. And so what I encourage people to do is take a look at those themes. And when you want to talk to us about stuff, 
See if it lines into one of those. If it doesn't, I'm not saying we're not going to do it. I'm just saying it's a little bit harder for us. But talk to us about the scenarios right. and see if we can line them up because it's very, very important to us that the sacred vow and that the world is you always place. maintain that sacred yeah. vow. Yes. Because because it's not just for mm-hmm. everybody listening to this podcast mm-hmm. that PowerShell is for you. PowerShell, and I don't think everybody knows this, and I get a lot of questions about this. But what a lot of people don't realize is PowerShell is for Microsoft. That's how we make stuff go. Yeah. We refer to it as a glue language. Our developers, I mean, on the PowerShell team, they live in PowerShell, mm-hmm. but all the developers use PowerShell. I mean, to some extent, PowerShell is integrated. And what a lot of people say is they go, hey, does Microsoft really care about PowerShell? What they don't realize is that a lot of the Microsoft upper-level folks came from the PowerShell team and, or had direct experience. Yes. My corporate vice president loves PowerShell. Yeah. My GM, my skip level, everybody loves. And I'm not just saying they, they think it's cool. No, they're putting hard investment into it because they need it too. So, folks, PowerShell's yeah. here to stay. Help us grow it. Jeffrey was mentioning yesterday about uh, how PowerShell, he was told, w- w- enable cloud. And uh, especially with Exchange and yeah. stuff like that. And we were like, what? Really? Yeah. And, and Jeffrey actually had this conversation with mm-hmm. the people who definitively can answer this. But I remember having this conversation with Jeffrey. A lot of us did. That we started with PowerShell and Exchange. And what that did is some of us came from a bigger messaging environments like Notes. Yeah. And you could set up a Fortune 500 globally with Notes, a couple of positions for it, and rock the world with messaging. Exchange, let's face it, was brutally difficult to go to that scale with. Yeah. When Exchange 2007 came out with PowerShell, well, that just changed the entire messaging world. I could now put in low-cost, highly available Exchange systems that I could manage globally because PowerShell made that happen. That literally was the the, the, the beginning of the cloud. Yeah, that was the cloud. And, I had no and idea. Snowverse, the team, amazing. and I, I, I cannot say yeah. this enough, the important golden investment that the exchange team put in to put it to creating such beautiful commandlets huh. to fully instrument their product made it so that PowerShell was successful because we yeah. could do everything. So I just want to point out, PowerShell has enabled not just you to do a solution, but it's enabled Microsoft to make some of the the best solutions that exist today. And why we are today, yeah. Yeah, so of course Microsoft's committed to it. Of course we're committed to it. And people go, you know, UPM seem like overzealous about PowerShell. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, we see what it yeah. does. And we had dog food again. And we dog food. We're, we're excited over. about it for a reason. I yeah. right. feel like this all the time. People think that, you know, it's just at conferences, but no, no. <laughs> you should see us in the office. We're not, we're not just doing demos because we want to try to sell. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sydney's, Sydney's right. I mean, we go into meetings and sometimes it's guns blazing. We are just as passionate about, no, 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 no. You will do this because it's going to make life better for everyone. So, yeah, Sydney's, Sydney's absolutely right. We are just as passionate about this in the office. And it is, yeah, it is what we signed up to do. So we want you to come out to our GitHub repos and do some helpful things for us. Tell us if there's something that's wrong. Tell us if we're missing a feature for yourself. But come out with the idea of having a conversation to explain it to us and to be open to the ideas that other people in the community have. It may not be exactly your idea, but we can grow this. And you have to understand 
Some changes are going to cause breaking effects. Now, look, we can't break a billion people out there, so we have to be really careful. It takes us a while to investigate, but we are committed to understanding and moving PowerShell forward. And if this is something we need to do, you better believe we're going to try to do it. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, everything Jason said, like, plus one or plus a hundred on that, I think a few <laughs> yeah. things that I would just, like, specifically call out. Um, you asked, like, well, you know, what's, what is the, like, the wildest thing you've heard someone do um, with PowerShell? And I don't know that I have something in particular that, like, stands out or comes to mind. Um, but I just feel like every time we get to talk to users, we get to come to conferences, we get to interact with y'all on our community call or in open source, it opens our mind to what you are all creating with PowerShell. Like, right, we have, like, this very limited perspective as ourselves operating in the world and we do our very best yeah. to like open that up and like understand all the million ways PowerShell is being used but if you don't communicate that to us at a certain level we know. have no way no, of knowing no idea. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just think it's so important to emphasize the open source part of yeah. PowerShell I think it's been a huge change for the PowerShell community right. and so many folks have embraced it and it's just a huge part of how we mm -hmm. operate. It's the truth of how we operate. Um, kind of we talked about a lot of the stuff that's come out recently, a lot of the stuff that's coming on the way, and it is all available and announced in open source ahead of time. There's nothing, yeah. there nothing, nothing we have nothing hidden, we have nothing that we wait for conferences to announce. Awesome. Um, and yeah. so I think before this conference we had, or before this week we had 98 active repos. I think we added four more. Um, yeah, we had a four wow. for this conference. Yeah, it was yeah, really yesterday cool. Yeah, yesterday or so. Wow. So if there's something you're passionate about PowerShell, like, come tell us in open source. If you're, if the thing with Crescendo isn't working well, if you're having, hitting a bug with... Um, like a disk cleanup thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You're like, if you're, if you're hitting a bug with PowerShell Get, come open an issue, mm -hmm. try out our preview, and like, we'll work with you to make sure it's resolved by the time we hit GA. Yeah, you know, I think Sidney said this yesterday during our session, but it used to be that you had to wait three years before you got a new release of PowerShell. And that was three long, three years. Yes. Now you have to wait maybe 30 days. Right. And so, and I, and sitting yeah. on the sliders, you know, 60 releases of PowerShell in the last three God. years. So we are trying to be as agile. We're trying to make sure you're getting the best stuff we can possibly provide. But I just, I just want to add one thing, and Sydney hits this all the time. We do a lot of work. But you do more, and your the mm. community's contributions to our GitHub, both in issues, in discussions, in pull requests, the code you are giving us is helping us to light up features we couldn't before. So, if you want to help us, if it's correcting docs and giving mm. us information on, if it's filing issues, if it's code contributions, it helps the entire community move. Not just a few. And, and I got to say, I don't know. When I was growing up, I was a huge Bill Gates fan. And the <laughs> dream was, could I ever write a line of code that could get into Windows? That would be like the coolest thing in the world, right? <laughs> right. Guess what? Come to our repo. You can, you, you can write code that goes into our product, and we will ship it. And that's something you can be proud of. And that's something that you're going to help a lot of people with. So I cannot encourage enough that people come talk to us. Incredible, where this whole product has come. It is, isn't it? It's incredible. Fifteen like, years, years, man. And you know what I, I really like, though? You guys are very open about stuff. You know, there's no like, oh, we're gonna hold back. You know, things and stuff like that. We all have a 
a yeah. healthy dose of knowing that none of us get it right any of the time. Or <laughs> yeah. Of the time. yeah. yeah. Um, no, she says it the best. <laughs> yeah. We make mistakes just as much as anybody exactly. else, if not more, and we don't always have the right answer. Yeah. That's why we like to talk a lot, and people go, wait a minute, you're yeah. full of crap. Okay, to explain why. Yeah, tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm all down for that. I got and my notepad. Let's it go. It still has to dangle, right? I mean, uh, to clap and stuff like that. And, and, um, you know, you need the community as well, right? Because otherwise, then what's what's the point of you guys doing what you do? And the same point in time, you guys are trying to, you know, uh, improve what's what's out there mm-hmm. in response to the community, and you know, and predicting things in the future and stuff like that. Hey, so, man, I got a job. I can still do this job without the community. The problem is the product you're going to get is not going to be helpful. exactly. Yeah. And so we, even when PowerShell was started. Jeffrey and team members would go to every conference, not just to preach from high above about the beauty of a command line, which, by the way, they should. Yeah. But to go to every conference and go, hey, take a look at this. What do you think of this? Would this be helpful? Is this not helpful? How can we make this better? Did we screw this up when we did this? Oh, we did screw that up. Now, how can we fix that? So, in other words, it's been a tradition with PowerShell Mm -hmm. to have the community help us make it right. Please, community. Join us and continue. And all of you new people, join. Because you've got friends, you've got people that will help you, and you've got a team that cares. Yeah. This is amazing. Any last words? I think I just have, like, one last thing that kind of just came up with that last thing. (laughs) (laughs) You go. (laughs) I just want to give a plug, too, that um, to open your first GitHub issue to come to our community call and ask a question, to engage in the PowerShell community discord or meet up with folks on Twitter. None of those things require you being an expert in PowerShell. In fact, all the better if you're not, like we are gonna learn so much from you as a new user. We're gonna learn so much from your scenario, your issue. So I think as we we say this all, I just wanna like give a nod to like the imposter syndrome of it all and the fact that it can feel like yeah. Everyone on GitHub is an expert in PowerShell, um, and I can promise you that we all have a lot to learn and are all in the journey together. So just a just a plug on that. Like if you are a new user, yes, just do it. You are yep. welcome as well. Yep. Yeah, and, and and I would say that if it surprises, this might surprise you, but we at Microsoft have sometimes the imposter syndrome too. So let's uh, yes. work, let's work it together and let's let's help each other through that imposter syndrome. And the other thing, Cindy mentioned this. Come to our monthly community call thir- Thursday. Third Thursday of every month, 9.30 Pacific time, aka.ms slash join PS call. We'll get you there. Perfect. And, and I, I've joined a lot of those calls. They are amazing. They're awesome. Yes. In fact, Mick and I will watch those and or you know, one of us would, and then that's what actually creates our podcast too. You know, we some of the have, news oh, that you all uh, talk about. Stuff, on we're like, hey, let's talk about that, you know, and and then we'll look up at you know blog posts and things like that and try to get more information. So those are really really helpful, amazing. And I'm going to come back with one thing. So you mentioned about the weirdest things of PowerShell. I'm going to vote for the uh, Rickroll script. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. And on that note, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. It's been an awesome podcast. We're gonna have you guys back again at some point in the future. Thanks, guys. Remotely. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.